Okay, my friends, as we are approaching the final episodes in our season 11 conversations on art and the urge for transcendence, I have one additional replay I wanna bring out from the archives to share with you. This one comes from season seven, episode seven, The Interior Life of the Artist with Kimbra. I'm sure many of you are familiar with Kimbra's music. Kimbra is a Grammy award-winning singer, songwriter, producer, and musician from New Zealand. She is an incredibly creative thinker with a podcast of her own called Playing With Fire. The segment from our interview I want to share with you today centers around a book titled, I'll Take You There, Pop Music and the Urge for Transcendence. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back again next week with another full interview episode. You mentioned Thomas Merton, and uh, of course I admit that I know that you love Thomas Merton just because I follow you on Instagram, and I was excited when I saw that you would quote him sometimes. Also, Frederick Beckner is someone that I've, mm. I've heard you quote, and Teresa Vavila, and of course, Rilke. But I also know about you that I would say that y- you as a performer come in the lineage of those like Bjork and Prince, and then also maybe a dash of some David Bowie in there. And I love him. Yeah, you know? And, and so in my mind, this makes total sense. Uh, somehow I can put Thomas Merton alongside of Bjork and, <laughs> and it's, it's like this, yes, yes, finally, you know, these two expressions go hand in hand. But I think that's a real unique and rare connection, uh, even that I see in you as an artist and as a person. So I'd be curious if you could share some about how your love for these mystical thinkers and some of the mystical practices that you've talked about, some of these spiritual practices, how this impacts your performance and your songwriting. Mm. Yeah, I mean, people like Thomas Merton, St. Teresa Revilla, um, Meister Eckhart, I mean, these were people that didn't fit into neat boxes. You know, uh, many of the mystics veered from the institutionalized version of, um, let's say, Christianity for the Christian mystics, but it was the same across all the religions. They always veered to the desert. The Sufis. Yep, the Sufis. I mean, um, it's the common thing where they they found that there was a restriction in the language and that they needed to go to poetics and even language of sensuality and things to express themselves. And so I think I found a home for some of my spiritual thinking in the mystics because they embraced paradox. They weren't scared to say that this was one thing and also the other, and these two things can coexist. And that already like sparks my creative brain because I love music that is two things at once or that is bittersweet. When it expresses melancholy, it does it with a tinge of joy at the same time. And you're confused about what, you know, like that's to (laughs) me, the best kind of music is stuff that like articulates the in-between stuff. And yeah, I just think that in terms of how it impacts me, it helps me feel a, a sense of, um, huh. well, let, let's say it like this. The mystics are, are seeking a kind of unity with the divine, right? Like, and, and an experience that's very focused on it, the experiential journey with all of its ups and downs, you know? It's, <laughs> it's less about the dogma and the doctrine and the tight, small versions of God and more about this kind of like mysterious, infinite, you know, um, mystery that we can actually penetrate and that is actually within us Mm -hmm. as well. And to me, that is quite 
foundational to the way I look at music as well. Like I believe there is this capacity and potential for such exploration and um, mystery and imagination within me. And this is my vehicle for trying to achieve some kind of transcendence. You know, when I'm in a moment, in a performance and I go for a note and I'm not sure if I'm going to get it and then I get it and then the crowd kind of riles up with me and then there's a fall off the note and it kind of, you know, the voice cracks and the whole band kind of slows down and moves with it. I mean, this these are moments where everyone is having an experience together and feeling like they're getting in touch with something that's bigger than just their own spirit story. Mm -hmm. So to me, that is quite a mystical experience, you know, and you can actually walk away transformed. And if I know anything about mystical experiences, and I can say as a kid, I had some quite profound, you know, moments of experiencing what I would call this unconditional love that was overwhelmingly real, like Mm -hmm. so real, more, you know, And God, I wish I could have those experiences all the time, but that's not how it works, is it? But that's the thing that keeps you seeking. You go, ah, this is possible to feel these kinds of things. How can I create landscapes and places for for others to feel that and maybe to replicate that feeling for myself again? So in that way, I think poets, artists have a lot in common with the mystics and Mm -hmm. they are okay with things being expansive and abstract and making not perfect logical sense at first read, but they Mm -hmm. make sense somewhere down here in the heart, you know? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I've been reading this book called I'll Take You There. Okay. Uh, And the subtitle is Pop Music and the Urge for Transcendence. And Mm -hmm. yeah, the author is Bill Friskix Warren. And let me read this quote. Please. I think you'll appreciate this. But he says that people are restless and incomplete. We cannot find peace without a connection to something that transcends our experience and can ground it. And he goes on and he says, uh, but transcendence can take place wherever there's a portal to some higher realm. Transcendence can occur through mystical insight, through sexual intimacy, or through expressions of empathy. It can be occasioned by the likes of wonder, reverence, or reciprocity. It can be achieved by standing in solidarity with others, by resisting unjust powers and conditions, or by means of historical liberation. Isn't this good? (laughs) Because he says, transcendence takes place whenever there is a convergence or an interpenetration of the temporal and the eternal. Whenever something deeper and more abiding than the everyday breaks in, and if only fleetingly, transforms the present, you know. (laughs) That is such a wonderful way of putting it. Yeah, it reminds me of what you're saying, even about those moments of performance and those moments when, you know, it's almost like the audience and the performer and the band and everybody comes Mm -hmm. into something that, that really breaks us out of the mundane or out of the normal and you feel like you've touched something outside of yourself, you know? Yeah, and I like how it said that it, not only transcends the experience, but also grounds it. And at first, first of all, that's confusing, right? You're like, how can it be both? But (laughs) in a way, I do totally understand that what that means because it puts Mm -hmm. you completely in the present moment. And maybe that's exactly, you know, where the infinite is, you know, the kingdom of Mm -hmm. heaven is within you. Well, I mean, we have to be present to accept that, right? We have to be in this very moment. And Mm -hmm. that kind of makes sense to me. It's a transcendence of the moment, but also a grounding within it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, 
that's some of that that paradoxical uh, right, yes and. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is only really understood when we have an experience of it. It's like love, you know, love doesn't really make a lot of sense, you know, no. romantic love. There's so many things that don't, you know, two people that can be so strangely incompatible, but it just works. And in the moment of empathy, you just... It, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you intellectualize it, it is what it is, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I make no apologies. Anybody that listens to Makers and Mystics know that we're going to roll deep out of the gate. <laughs> I love it. You know? But I'd be curious to know how music has played a role in your own spiritual journey or in some of your own existential questionings or about, you know, the larger questions yeah. about life. How has music played a role in that? Well, in the early days when I was, you know, about, let's see, you know, 10 years old, I guess. I mean, before that, I would write songs when I was eight or nine, but to be honest, they would, you know, I was just copying R&B off the radio and just singing about relationships that of course I'd never been in, so they were a bit <laughs> silly. But when it got to 10, 11, 12, certainly 13, 14, I mean, these songs were all on guitar. They were very singer songwriter but they were all asking these very deep questions of the world and of love, um, but they were almost, they were like prayers. They were me trying to seek meaning through these songs. I would, you know, almost all of the choruses would be sort of a looming large question that I was asking. And when I look back on that now, it's quite interesting because it's like, wow, how cool that I had something to voice that stuff, you know, and it didn't have to be suppressed and kind of, but that I could feel that freedom to, and, I, and I'm sure that writing songs also became a portal into me becoming acquainted with prayer and the idea of like actually voicing your questions and your, I, I don't know, I've always been a, a seeker. I've always been someone that doesn't just take information at face value, but wants to, you know, question and engage with it. And songs gave me a way to do that in the early days. Um, these days it's, different because I wrestle more to find the song. You know, when you were a kid, you kind of, it's like, yeah, it's done. A verse and a chorus and yeah, it's done. But now, you know, I, of course, sort of amenar over <laughs> lyrics and try to get the right. I know I have a higher expectation of my craft now, you know, I'm older, so I want to have higher standards, but there's still a same sense of fumbling in the dark to find a way to express these like longings of my soul that I get stumped in normal conversation to express, you know, maybe I try to get out what I'm trying to say in a relationship or in my family or even to fans, you know, and you just can't. And so you're, you're going to music to kind of like a prayer or like a mystical experience, find a voice for these feelings. Um, and there's a lot of faith involved. So that's how I would relate it to spirituality is, you know, so often with any kind of spiritual searching, you are ultimately having to exercise a faculty in yourself that isn't about, you know, perfect, neat answers. Here is everything lined up. You can prove it 100%. You, you just, mm -hmm. that's not the right. way it works. Right. You're having to move on experience and these things that can't be proved. So um, music is a little bit like that too. Like I've never been a, I'm not a 
super technical musician. I'm not like a, I don't know a lot of chords that I'm playing. I don't know. It's, there's a lot of mystery even in the process of it. And I have to have faith to follow through on something, which reminds me of the same faith I have to apply and just um, seeking meaning in the universe. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I do see links. I do see links. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I've often said that creativity is inherently spiritual and that genuine spiritual experience will often lead to creative expression. It's yeah. I, I see them as, as they're, they're linked, you know, I, I don't see them as two separate expressions. That's cool. I mean, when I think about collaboration as well, that seems to be a really deeply spiritual thing. Like the fact that you can meet someone for the first time and then have a jam with them or start to go somewhere and it's like an entire language emerges and you're <laughs> feeling so connected to this person through <laughs> the harmonies that you're choosing together or the 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 groove that your bodies lock into and <laughs> you can't help but be like that that's something kind of strange mm -hmm. and on the vibrational level and unexplainable in, in the terms of, you know, what would make two people compatible. Maybe we actually have nothing in common, but we have this thing in common that is, it, it, it kind of brings people down to this shared humanity music. Mm -hmm. Like it, when people play music together, it's like you find this beautiful equality, in, mm -hmm. which is again, another big important part of spirituality is, is mm -hmm. learning to see people see God and all people, right? Mm -hmm. So collaboration brings about a lot of spiritual meaning to music for me. Beautiful. Kimber, thank you so much for taking this time to talk with me on Makers and Mystics. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Oh, you too. Thank you for your insights. I think your podcast is great and I'm honored to be a part of it. 